everyone. I'm Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Coming live to you this week with kind of a feel-good episode talking about reprints, values of sets, sealed versus singles, kind of how that price dynamic is changing as we're seeing more reprints, larger reprint sets, stuff like that. And we are going to be focusing mostly around and almost entirely around Dominari Remastered for this, just as a really good example of reprints and the secondary market and all of that. Especially because Dominari Remastered's fresh in our minds, released was last week. We had a draft event in our LGS, which went great. It was kind of an awkward draft altogether, but I think play-wise, once we got into the games, everything kind of worked out and was a pretty fun environment. Before that, let's go ahead and do a little bit of housekeeping. Going to plug our socials. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Casual Tutors. And then, as always, our TikTok, YouTube shorts is kind of up and starting. We share episode releases on TikTok, and we're going to be doing pack cracks here pretty quickly. And then, as always, our Discord, it's growing. We're having a super active spoiler discussion right now for Phyrexia All Will Be One coming out. It's great conversations with members of our community, and we love everyone to be able to join. Jumping right into it, Dominari Remastered came out. It was kind of a roller coaster of pre-release prices for boxes. We we jumped in initially pre-ordering from Amazon. I think that price point was 168 And once they started announcing more and more spoilers that leaks came out that price i think fluctuated all the way up to 300 dollars a box and then right before release crashed right back down to that 160 level at least on amazon i think tcg dropped to 150 at one point so that that was a real interesting wave of prices that we rode in i probably you know the four month span that they announced it bigger story is the effects this reprint set is having on prices of cards that were staples or just obscure low supplies cards that previously push in you know in some cases 60 70 dollars like no mercy and overall i think it's a great thing we're getting reprints we're getting lower prices it does hurt if you bought some sealed product but you know it's the gamble you take right right i mean these lower prices are awesome there's so many good staples that are not even just coming within a obtainable price range but i mean plummeting in price range there is some cards that i couldn't believe you look at two years ago even a year ago even and you're looking 35 40 dollars for a card that's now going for eight you know it's it's insane what it's doing and there are a lot of people out there that bought uh, sealed product that are not very happy about it but it's just i don't know that's what that's why everyone's says buy singles right you know this is a great set even even if the local draft was a little bit awkward i think it's a great set for drafting if you want to open packs if you want to take that chance draft it you know have add that game format to it rather than just opening packs on your own in your bedroom or in your office or wherever you open packs this set's definitely bringing out the duality of the magic player they always complain when cards are too expensive that Demand reprints. Give me this card at a cheaper price point. Totally understandable. I'm in that boat a lot. But then you get the other side of that coin. I bought this sealed product. I'm holding, you know, X number of cases as an investment, quote unquote, and I'm getting hosed. You know, they're going for $30 cheaper than I bought in at. The reprint values of these cards are bringing the expected value of each box drastically under the cost of a sealed box. And it's a no-win scenario for Wizards because I think what they're doing with this set is exactly what they need to do 
with every Masters type set, and that's flood the market with reprints. This is a TCG, a trading card game. It isn't a CCG, a collectible card game. And not that Magic doesn't have that collectible aspect because we do have things like the reserve list to kind of protect it, but it's a game that's meant to be played. Reprints make it that barrier to entry to playing more affordable for new players, and it's overall a great thing. That goes along with the you can't make everyone happy, right? Because it's going to be either you're going to have these rare reprints, which are going to take the price of the singles down, which is going to devalue the box. You know, this one might be a little more extreme than we're used to seeing, and I don't know if that's due to popularity of the set or because of the number of reprints that were in the set or or the percentage chance of cracking some of these reprints. But no matter what you do, I mean, there's going to be people who, if the rare percentage is down, they're going to complain. In fact, a lot of people are going to complain, right? If the odds of getting these are down, if the there's less rare reprints than there are, you know, just chaff in there. But at the same time, everyone who's buying into this and sealed product is seeing the value of their boxes in shambles and they're also upset. So it's it's this double-edged sword. You're never going to you're never going to make everyone happy and it's it's so weird because looking at it from an outside perspective, it seems like this wonderful thing but at the same time, a huge portion of the Magic community sees it as like this terrible thing because they're losing so much value. It's such a strange situation. We're seeing a power dynamic shift from the Rudies to the Timmies, where investors in a trading card game are losing value, but the Timmies are gaining playing ability. And, you know, like I already said, I think that's an awesome thing. I want to share Magic with everyone. If I can say, hey, you know, this card exploration, you know, really would do good things in your green deck it's two dollars whereas you know two weeks ago it was 15 20 dollars force of will hitting the 60s is amazing it's still obviously a very expensive card for a piece of cardboard being 60 bucks but half the price it was two weeks ago is a huge decrease oh yeah i mean look at all these these one mana tutors that are now dropping into very obtainable prices it's raising this is what we talk about when we talk about reprints raising the power level of magic raising the the power level of your local playgroups. In my opinion, as somebody who has a lot of expensive cards and has a lot of powerful decks, you should be happy about this because this is bringing other players up to your level. If you, you know, it's it's allowing. I I get it. I I do know some players out there that just like stomp and face, and they don't care if the deck levels are not the same. But I think it feels better to win a game when you're playing against somebody at the same power level. And I think a lot of times that's not because of skill level. That's not because of deck building level. That's because of monetary value. This hobby can be extremely expensive, and these reprints are a way to kind of stamp that out. I agree. We're we're gonna cover this a lot more now next week with our first special guest but getting new players into the game is great not only for the game not only for your LGS or your local play group but also for these players that are experienced have been playing Magic and Commander for several years the new blood shows them a new way to have fun with Magic again and you know we're tying this back into these reprints Obviously, when you play tutors, your deck kind of becomes more linear in finding win cons and these different conditions, but it doesn't have to be. That enlightened tutor that goes and finds you your walking ballista or whatever other enchantment or artifact is in your win con could also go find you that janky artifact, that janky enchantment that enables some obscure synergy that just promotes a, you know, quote unquote, fun strategy. Yeah, there's a lot of times I... 
I play with tutors a lot of times and I there occasionally I'll, I will go get a win con but I what I try to do and and this might be my own little kind of mantra is, is if I play let's say I play a deck you know three times in a row and I get a vampiric tutor in my hand every time I try to go get a different card every single time just to see how the deck plays with all the cards I think something you don't realize is you're playing with 99 cards in the deck there's a lot of cards that you might have in that deck and have never actually played or never seen you know depending on how long you've been playing the deck of course but it's it's kind of fun to play around with it use those tutors to grab something new this time see how this combo works see how these cards react to each other a, a tutor is is just you deciding what you draw into your hand right so have fun with it don't you don't have to just draw the same win con every single time another great aspect of these reprint sets and this is something that we're seeing more and more in regular releases is the multiple treatments to the same card in this set we're seeing three four five versions of the same card which again is overall increasing the supply of the card and decreasing those prices, making them more, you know, available for people on tighter budgets, but also kind of catering to people with some higher budgets and getting this special borderless foil etched retro frame, whatever they want version of that card and slotting that in, replacing a regular frame, stuff like that. Urza is a big one. It's the first time it's had its borderless treatment with a unique art. It's in the retro frame. It's in a foil for regular retro frame and that borderless so there's five printings of urza right there i think yogmoth's in that same boat and i saw the the urza the borderless urza going for 25 dollars. i think i saw that earlier today that's kind of just a byproduct of these multiple printings people are cracking collector packs more and more to get these special editions special printings that are exclusive to these collector boosters but at the same time more people cracking packs means more supply so those special printings are also getting cheaper People get excited, especially with the collector's boosters. I've heard a lot of friends of mine in different playgroups around the country opening specifically just collector's boosters because now the consensus is is that's where the value is. But the more that these special artworks are open, the more the more any pack is open in a singular set, the more it's going to affect the secondary market. Urza's Incubator was a, a huge reprint in this set. Only one other printing in history. It was a $60 plus card. Huge. It makes all your creature spells is too cheaper well not all your creature spells creatures, creatures of a certain, certain type. type yeah anyways it's one of those discounters we talked about in a previous episode but it, it's a huge card for tribal and when they spoiled it again i think there's four or five different printings of urza incubator in this set it was pre pre-ordering it that 60 dollars mark it's 22 dollars right now i think for a borderless urza's incubator and again 22 dollars for a piece of cardboard isn't what most people would call cheap but you know, relatively in the world of magic, that's like a gimme, especially if you're a tribal fan, you, you want to play this in your deck. And I'm not saying run out, buy four copies of it. If you can, definitely. I think, you know, you'll definitely benefit from it in the future, but buy one and proxy it as many times as you want. Well, and that's a good point too, that I didn't even think about. This happens a lot where these, these prices will tank, but I guarantee you, especially a limited set, like a master set, these prices are going to go back up. These cards, especially these staples, things like these tutors and the force of wills, Urza's incubators, birds of paradise, even they're not going to stay this low they're going to go back up it's there's initial panic now but i still think picking up these singles for this cost rather than spending the money on the box pick up the singles that you need and then it's not going to be a bad investment 
No. And a good example of this is Force of Will. It caught a reprint not too long ago, I want to say, in a Double Master set. And it skyrocketed back up to $120, pretty much where the old Alliances version was sitting. And, you know, now we're back down into the 60s. These cards will go back up in value. There's going to be multiple years before we see these cards reprinted, possibly much longer, knowing Wizard's track record with these kind of things. And, you know, they're just good to sit on good cards to have because you're playing them but they're also going to benefit from we reprinted them recently they're going to sit in that equity vault for a little bit i think this set's kind of it's got room to go down even more i belong to I, I i hate saying i belong to there is a page called mvp sports and games they're an active seller on eb ebay and tcg player and they run their own direct to consumer page i i can't say they are a distributor but they are a distributor like and they tend to have their finger on the pulse of the distributors the supply chain when it comes to releases and they have a good feeling that because of the demand particularly for the collector boosters that there is going to be a second wave printed by wizards of the coast and sold so i don't think we've reached the bottom on a lot of these cards and you know we're in a good spot if you don't want to kind of roll the dice and see what happens in the next couple weeks i would say go for it maybe wait a few more days maybe let the weekend come that makes me wonder about something i don't know if you know if this exists matt but uh there were some tools that i used to use um looking at like stocks and crypto and stuff like that where i could set like percentages like if something dropped a certain uh, percentage or went up a certain percentage are there any tools like that for like magic cards i don't think there's anything publicly like that i know especially if you go to subreddits like mtg finance or you watch something like i forget what rudy's channel is on youtube but these people that alpha use investments alpha investments these people that use trading card games as you know investments and they strategize around releases and scarcity and supply of cards definitely at least have their own private excel sheets that kick them back a warning when things hit percentages Billion dollar idea. Matt and I were making an app. I already said it's a TCG, not a CCG, so I'm out. Shark Tank <laughs> fail. Nah, Shark Tank's totally behind us. And I, I told Kyle we weren't really going to, or I agreed with Kyle that we weren't going to touch Phyrexia All Will Be One. But there is one specific card that I think is related to this discussion of multiple copies and huge reprints. And that's going to be Mom, Elish Norn. She got like 20 versions. She literally has 10 different versions yeah. and foil treatments. And most of these are going to be available in every booster pack. And I don't think we're going to have the shoulder issue where we have this bomb card that's $60. And that's that's a good point, too. I didn't even think about with all these versions. She's still incredibly powerful. She's still going to be incredibly useful. I don't know. See, the Shouldred's like her kind of saving grace is she is standard viable. I don't know if Elish Norman will be standard viable, which might affect her pricing as well. But I definitely think having 10 different versions all available in every pack type is definitely going to affect her uh, value. I think Elish Norn is going to be a one of, and probably one of the, the currently most powerful decks in standard, that's Esper. The core strategy doesn't rely on ETBs, but a lot of the versatility that Esper gets from playing things like Urzai and stuff like that is based on ETBs. Or, and stopping ETBs is always going to be good. There's always going to be coincidental ETBs on your opponent's team. Yeah, at, at the very least, a sideboard card. I think she's probably a one of, like Shoulder it is in those decks. And 
having 10 versions of her is an upside. Because like I said, hopefully we avoid this $60 per card issue in a standard set. The other saving grace is that Shouldered is also reprinted in this set in the what they're calling, I believe, their quote-unquote original art for her, which will be appearing in every booster pack. I don't know. It has to be Mythic because she's a Mythic card, but I don't know if her availability in those packs is adjusted further than that, like she's only found in a particular slot or something. But seeing her again in a pack is great. I don't know if it's going to affect that $60 price no matter how many times as a reprinter unless they literally just give us a pre-con with shoulders in it but hint hint wizards of the coast like challenger decks come on but i think you know we, we only benefit from this and seeing their willingness to do it with kind of their face card of a set is kind of a good sign to me that this trend of multiple printings multiple arts the the variety for chase cards is just something that wizards is tuned into and will continue doing in the future unless there's drastic changes Okay, now I got to ask Matt, talking about all of these versions and if the, you know, it does affect the pricing, the pricing goes down and you can just have your favorite version and it's not too expensive. Which one do you want? Of Elishnorn? I can't remember the artist's name, but he's a famous Japanese artist. He's done several video games. Shiko Uzuri? Ito Junji, I'm pretty sure is his name. Sure. He, he's done art in the past for, mm. you know, auxiliary sets and secret layers and stuff like that. But his Elishnorn is scary as hell. It's so cool. That's also my favorite. He's a... a a horror illustrator. Yeah, and it's great. My second one would definitely be their, again, quote-unquote original art for with her exposed ribs, just very machine-like pose with the contrasting striped red and white background. Just makes her pop for me. Are you talking about the one where she looks like she's sitting on a throne and all the stone statues are around her? No, she's standing. Let me try pulling it up. Okay, I really like the throne one. I think I know which one you're talking about, too. A lot of her, a lot of, except for that one, except for for the one where she's got the throne and the statues, that one looks like it's drawn somewhat normally. But a lot of hers are very devoid of color, I noticed. A lot of her different versions. Yeah, the, the one on the throne is definitely her original art. Here is the one that they're calling her. Uh, sorry. Oh, no, that one's sweet. The the borderless alt art one. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what they're calling their original I, art for. The, the only thing I have about that is in some of her other renditions, her like face mask thing is like super wide and for it some reason takes up the whole card yeah and for some reason the borderless alt one it's like she's it's just straight down yeah it's more vertical it's almost like a defeated Elish Norn where she's watched her world collapse in front of her and she just has that defeat kind of facing her yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen, though. I don't think that's going to happen either, but that's definitely kind of what that art is styling. And I was wrong. It's not a red and white background. It's white on cream, which still very cool, still very contrasting with her red robes. The true borderless one is kind of like Kyle just described where her, her helmet takes up almost the whole card. But it, it's oh, still... That one's sweet, too. It's still a banger. I don't I don't think they... Yeah, there's no the bad ones. They're uh, all awesome. Yeah. I will say uh, fresh... There's her glistening oil one. I, even the glistening oil one's sweet. I yeah. like the black and white that they do for that one and the Ito Junji one. Well, the, the glistening oil black and white reminds me of the 2019 San Diego Comic-Con exclusives for the, the God Pantheon that Bolas brought to Ravnica. Yeah, the God Eternals. Yeah, and it, it's there's not it's the complete opposite of what I was talking about with the contrast with the red and white background. There is no contrast. It's literally black and white, but it, it makes a good use of that negative space. Fresh predictions here. I predict that the Phyrexians win. 
And every set moving forward is just called Phyrexia. Every single set. They just, they win. Every mo- every plane in the multiverse is Phyrexia. Every set moving forward is Phyrexia. There's no more after this. Boring. Let's talk about Phyrexian tentacles. And by that, I mean Phyrexian Eldrazi. It's not going to happen. If anything, Emmercruel is in that moon. Everyone that knows she's in that moon is the Phyrexian. Right, but the, the Eldrazi are not like actually on the planes, right? They or it's are, an extension of themselves. They are, but they're also go... What are they, it's not the great beyond, but... The blind eternities. The blind eternities. I, I kind of think they face... They're like demon lore in Warhammer, if anybody knows that. And I think there's definitely overlapping lore here when it comes to demons, but they have kind of their, their physical bodies when they manifest on whatever world they're on. But you kill that body, they just... Go back to the warp. I think it's the same thing for Eldrazi. I think well, Kozilek and Ulamog physically have been destroyed, but they're still in the blind attorneys doing Eldrazi things. Yeah, so there's there's some fact to that because the the lore is that their entire like presence could not be contained within like the physical planes. And so they only extend a part of their body out into the plane. Yeah, they have a, a projected manifestation of themselves. Right. Which I'm sure Kozilek and Ulamog are still alive because of that. It, you know, there's probably some difficulty with coming from the, the Eternities, getting back into their, you know, world, quote unquote, correctingness that they perceive. But I think while they have those physical forms, while Emrakul is trapped in the moon, they're vulnerable to all the same things that affect other physical beings. 15 flying squirrels knocks Emrakul out. Why can't a little bit of glistening oil just turn those tentacles a little more machine-like? I... And I'm not sure if they would be uh, susceptible to phyresis. Make Tamiya relevant. But if they were, I think the Phyrexians and everyone would have much bigger problems to worry about. Yeah, that's definitely what they're saving Emrakul for. I know, I, I, I would love to see some kind of Phyrexian manifestation. I think it'd be hilarious. Uh, however they do it, whether it's like a temporary thing and Emrakul is like, Hey, just kidding, I'm an Eldrazi, get fucked. But... I, we're, I, I think without a beyond a reasonable doubt, we're going to see Eldrazi as a big bad probably sometime after we stop going on fairy tale adventures. But, you know, the idea is there. It'd be cool. I do think that, I mean, look at what happened after War of the Spark, right? We did have some fairy tale adventures. We did have some, you know, just perusing through the multiverse. You have to have some lighter sets, especially, I mean, this, depending on how how many planeswalkers we actually lose depending on what happens this is bigger this is scarier this is more menacing than bolus was even this is more menacing than the end of war of the spark this is more of a you know like head down like shoulders dropped moment than the end of war of the spark this is if war of the spark was successful and bolus took his shenanigans to every other plane right this is not good like what's happening and i think after this i think depending you know who knows we see a lot of spoilers we have a lot of spoilers we know we're returning to Eldraine. we know we're returning to ixalan who knows if that's returning to fight off Phyrexians because their bastardized world tree was completed because the the Gatewatch or what's remaining of the Gatewatch were not successful. We don't, but if somehow they are able to contain the Phyrexians or defeat them outright, I I think it's one of two ways. I think either we're going to have some softer sets where we're returning to these places 
and it's just like fun. There's just little stories, or it's going to be, holy fuck, <laughs> Vyrexians are everywhere. Yeah, and just going to reel us back in into the, the reprint and financial value of these reprints affecting sealed product. We we touched on kind of the, the crashing of the Dominari remastered singles market and how that's affecting sealed product and the expected value investors have, or even just Timmy sitting on a box at home. And, you know, especially draft boosters, which I, I think we're definitely, if this trend continues, seeing the end of draft boosters as a product, people buy to crack to get singles. Because I haven't met a single person that, whether they truly care about the value of the cards they're pulling or not, not place value on their pulls. It's always, oh, that's a great hit. Oh, this pack was complete trash. And some of that's related to cards you already have. You know, obviously, if you're pulling duplicates, it's, it feels bad, which I think is a common trend in these draft boosters, too, is a lot of duplicates. And sometimes uh, with this, yes, it can be, especially with a lot of the crashing prices. But like if I already had an Urza Lord High Ar- Artificer and I cracked another one, I'd still just sell the one of higher value. Or stick it in your trade binder. It, it, that isn't a feels bad. But if you get like three of the same $2 rare that never saw play to begin with, it, it's definitely a feels bad. And like I said, I think that value, part of it is having duplicates. Part of it is just the, the unvalue of that card. I think some good rares are starting to get into feel bad territory too because if i like if i were to open a box of remastered and got three birds of paradise right now i think i'd feel bad about it and that's a staple that a little bit ago i wouldn't have felt nearly as bad about mine would be gamble and it's still up there in like the eight dollar range but gamble has caught quite a few reprints in the past couple of years with double masters i think there's one other a secret layer a secret layer i think it's in the heads i win tails you lose deck so gamble itself is kind of a victim of being reprinted into the ground Gamble's a funny one, too, because as of a year ago, I had zero gambles, and I think I have four of them now. Yeah, boom, playset, easy. That kind of happened with me with Walking Ballista when they reprinted that last time. Went from one promo copy to having a playset of regulars and a promo. Like, I don't understand. Cracked a foil in Double Masters. Yeah, which, you know, Walking Ballista, it's still not a cheap card, but if you're looking for combos, it's easy to do, and it's still relatively cheap. Hashtag reprints. But things like Mono Red Entomb, a.k.a. Gamble, stuff like that, it's definitely teetering where you don't really want to see those pulled. I'm not there with Mystical Tutors and Lightning Tutors, even though I don't play a ton of my Mystical Tutor that I already own. I'd feel good about opening it. I think Blue suffers from having a variety of tutors that go get instances and sorceries. Because there's several that haven't ever been reprinted, like personal tutor stuff like that. There's tons of things on bodies. that even existed. Yeah. Well, there's not a ton of things on bodies. There's a couple. There's... Well, Spellseeker is unique because she's Spellseek- cheap. Spellseeker is expensive too. Well, I mean, CMC wise, right, she's cheap. Right. But like, cause most of what you're thinking of are like the, the recursion. Well, no, the mages. So there's the blue mages that all go get artifacts. artifacts. And then there's Spellseeker. There's that one wizard cycling card that goes, gets a wizard. But other than mystical tutor and personal tutor, I can't think of really any other ones. There, there's several. There's Merchant Scroll. There's... Merchant Scroll's the wizard cycling one, I think. No, no? It, it goes. I think it specifically just gets a sorcery. Does it? Yeah, and it, it's either three or four mana. What's but, the wizard cycling one? I have it in Quarkashima. I don't know. 
I'm not sure, but there's several other along the lines of personal tutor, merchant scroll stuff. And I want to say there's between five and 10, which is more than other colors in general. I think black would probably be the next one because you have things like Diabolic Tutor, Demonic Tutor, Vamp, well, Imperial Seal. Black has a lot of bad tutors. <laughs> has a lot of bad tutors. I, I guess would... I'm thinking of Blue's recursion ability things like snapcaster archaeomancer there's a lot of those abilities uh there's even a common land from eldraine that enters and gets you an instant of sorcery back yeah i know what you're talking about the uh the island yeah it, it literally is an island yeah too. sure yeah <laughs> man what is that called i know what you're talking about oh i was gonna say though speaking of tutors i really think that worldly tutor and vampiric tutor are the two most feel good out of all the tutors reprinted i'm gonna go with demonic what's demonic well, no, that, that was reprint. Yeah, no, I, I mean I, no, in I, Dominaria Remastered. Yeah, I ignored that last caveat that Kyle said. Definitely Vamp. I like Enlightened Tutor a lot too. That was one that definitely needed another reprint. I d- actually, I think that's the only one I don't have out of all of those, to be honest. And honestly, I think Enlightened goes and gets more combo pieces in more decks than any other. I just recently have been liking Green and Black a lot more, I guess. And I do have a Worldly Tutor. Because I got it in the Commander Collection Green. Uh, that's the only one I have. I have a 6th edition Vamp Tutor. Or I did. Do I have a Commander Legends one now? Maybe I sold the 6th edition one when it was high. I can't remember. But Vamp Tutor's sub $30 now. Yeah, now is the time to buy it. I think, I think Demonic Tutor might be more expensive than Vampiric Tutor. Yeah, I sold my Vamp Tutor at $100. Yeah, good call. But there's a ton of these different possibilities. There's Iboria, Exploration, all these real good, especially EDH staples. Dude, Maze of Ith. Go, Maze of Ith, Go yeah. buy a Maze of Ith right there's now. There's a sweet, borderless Maze of Ith that's super cheap. Cheap and has amazing art that looks like a brain, like super cool. And unfortunately, that's another one that, like Walking Ballista, I seem to have fallen into a pit of Maze of Iths. So I'm not rushing out, but now that that art's available, I'm definitely proxying it. But anyways, we're we're kind of beating the horse now. Yeah, and. You know, kind of like we started, reprints are great for the average commander player. It increases the accessibility of the format and Magic the Gathering in general to new players or people playing on a budget. And honestly, all these people that are crying about their EVs on their seal per product can kind of, you know, cry me a river. I was going to say something else, but we'll keep it a little bit more PG-13 and get over it because they need to realize that this investor mentality that they're broaching Magic the Gathering with is wrong and it wasn't how this game was intended to go and it's definitely not something that I believe is healthy for the game and I kind of think cripples the game in the end and you know if Richard Garfield was still actively involved I think he'd be aghast at the way that some people treat magic and he definitely would not like the way the Hasbro Watsi interaction has been going but we won't get into that this episode and so just you know get out get those singles if you like cracking packs make sure you're getting it from someone that's kind of got their ear to the ground and not charging you eight dollars a pack because that's not the price anymore and you know get those feel goods yeah no for sure i like you hear every content creator say buy singles buy singles buy singles yep and just wrapping up the episode like i kind of mentioned in the middle there we were supposed to have a special guest this week plans change release schedules kind of affect everything that goes on daily lives stuff like that so that special episode is coming next week as part of a unique two-part series where the first part of the episode is going to be shared on our guests podcast and we are going to be sharing our half of the episode here on casual tutors 
on the day after he releases his. So his will come out Wednesday. Ours will come out Thursday, like always. So make sure when we give him a shout out, we'll definitely be retweeting his release schedule. Go check it out. Hear our beautiful voices and then check us out the next day and give us, you know, all the love and support that you guys have been showing so far. Thumbs up, shares, downloads, and hit us on our socials. We're pretty much everywhere at Casual Tutors. Discord server is linked in our link tree, which is at the bottom of every episode. So please jump in there, chat with us. Let's get some games in. Let's crack some packs. It's do all that fun stuff. And his show is called Commander Ad Populum. That's where you can find the first episode. Yeah. I was trying not to spoil who the guest was, but now you know. Oh, If you know where that podcast or if you go look it up. Anyways, my name is Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Thanks for listening.